1: Now, we are beginning uh, what is known as the holiday season. It's a series of weeks in the annual calendar where holidays, holy days, are closely packed together. It's a season that is characterized by joy and feasts and festivities and laughter and song. And it is also associated with
0: elevated stress. (laughs) Well, that is an understatement to say the least, right? Welcome to Study Verse by Verse, and as we spend the rest of the week together, we'll do so celebrating Thanksgiving, which is taking place in just a couple of days. We invite you to join us as we understand the truth behind Thanksgiving in the midst of stress and worry. What does God say about all of this? Well, here's Pastor Leighton Sheely as we begin with a a historical look, from an American perspective anyway, on Thanksgiving. And, Lord, we are so thankful for how faithful you
1: are to us, uh, that you always keep your promises, and that one of those promises is that he who began a good work in us will be faithful to complete it. You're not going to walk away from us. Uncomplete. Lord, as we turn our attention to your word, now we invite you to be our teacher and to transform us by the power of your word and your spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. In membership class, uh, our members are taught how to answer a question that's phrased something like this. Tell me about Church of the Highlands. What is Church of the Highlands like? What's it all about? Well, Church of the Highlands is a Christ-centered, Bible-teaching church, helping people fall in love with Jesus through a great commitment to the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. I know it's a long sentence, but it kind of describes who we are, what we're about, how we're doing it, why we're doing it, and so forth. Church of the Highlands is a Christ-centered, Bible-teaching church helping people fall in love with Jesus through a great commitment to the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. We are greatly committed to it because if we're only mediocre in our commitment, we're going to end up with a mediocre church. And this world does not need another mediocre church. So we're not going to be mediocre. We're going to have a great commitment to it. And one of the opportunities that we as a church family have each year at this time of the year is to tell people about the reason for the season. And so we as a church family work together as a team and sub-teams in order to uh, to accomplish that. That's why we do uh, programs such as Pasco and Scrooge and Christmas Eve, and the choir in the malls, and Christmas caroling, and so many other things. And and so that's what we do as a church family here. We work together as a family and as a team to accomplish what God has uh, called us to accomplish. Well, this coming Thursday is Thanksgiving Day. It's a day to give thanks. I know that some people could care less what the reason is. They just want a day off work. Uh, but being the curious type, I, I always like to uh, to inquire regarding the history of some of these uh, kinds of events. And so I found this article in the Columbia Encyclopedia. Thanksgiving Day, it's a national holiday in the United States commemorating the harvest reaped by the Plymouth Colony in 1621 after a winter of great starvation and privation. In that year, Governor William Bradford proclaimed a day of Thanksgiving, and the feast was shared by all of the colonists and the neighboring Native Americans. Although similar observances were held locally, they were sporadic and at no set time. After the American Revolution, the first national Thanksgiving day proclaimed by George Washington was November 26, 1789. Abraham Lincoln revived the custom in 1863, appointing as the date the last Thursday of November. In 1939, 40, and 41, Franklin Delano Roosevelt proclaimed Thanksgiving the third Thursday in November. And when a contradiction arose between Roosevelt's proclamation and some of those of state governors, the Congress passed a joint resolution in 1941 decreeing that Thanksgiving should fall on the fourth Thursday of November. It just took us 150 years to figure that out. Well, the day is observed by church services and family reunions. The customary turkey dinner is a reminder of the four wild turkeys served at the pilgrim's first Thanksgiving feast. Our nation's observance of the holidays and this holiday underscores the rich Christian heritage of our nation. In fact, the word holiday was originally pronounced holy day. It was a day that was set apart from work and other things for a holy purpose, And that's where holiday comes from. Now, we are beginning uh, what is known as the holiday season. It's a series of weeks in the annual calendar where holidays, holy days, are closely packed together. It's a season that is characterized by joy and feasts and festivities and laughter and song. And it is also associated with elevated stress, according to many studies. Now, uh, there's a well-known stress scale called the Holmes Stress Scale. It lists 100 of the most stressful events in life, including the divorce of a sp- uh, death of a spouse, divorce, death of a loved one, loss of employment, and so forth. And uh, after much study based on that scale, they discovered that the single most stressful time of the year is between Thanksgiving and New Year's. So, in the weeks to come, that's the most stressful time of our year. We worry about parties and presents and relatives, and finances, and the economy, and our health, and other people's health, and all kinds of things. Well, Dr. Walter Calvert did a study on worry, and this is what he discovered. He said, 40% of your worries never happen. 40%. So almost half of the things that people worry about never happen. 30% of the things that people normally worry about are things that happened in the past. Which doesn't make any sense because you can't change the past anyway. So why worry about it? So that's 70%. Two-thirds, more than two-thirds of the things that people worry about is is either not going to happen or it's already happened and can't be changed. Uh, 12% of worries are needless health concerns. You know, like the hypochondriac who had put on his tombstone. See, I told you I was sick. (laughs) You know, 12%. 10% of worries are insignificant and petty that means that only 8% of the things that most people worry about are legitimate. 8%, less than 10%, less than 1 out of 10. And one of the authors suggested, listen, instead of worrying all through the day, why don't you just pick a time? You know, like 3 o'clock, you know, and that's the time to worry. You get 15 minutes, all the worries. So if a worry comes up some other time, it's, no, it's not time yet for the worry. It's about 3 o'clock. You know, just pick a time so it doesn't ruin your entire day, you know. Because worrying doesn't change anything. And it's a learned uh, response. We learn it from our parents and our peers and our circumstances. And the good news is that it's, since it's learned, it can be unlearned. And that's what Jesus said in, in Matthew 6, 34. He says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. In other words, unlearn worrying about tomorrow. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough troubles of its own. So what he was saying is, is don't worry about tomorrow. You know, today is the tomorrow you worried about yesterday. That kind of thing. Don't worry about tomorrow. Focus on today's issues. Get through today and tomorrow. Then focus on tomorrow's issues tomorrow. Worry about nothing. Well, what do you do with the extra time? Since we're, you know, don't... Well, let me suggest that instead of worrying, that we replace it with uh, gratitude. And, uh, you know, the research has shown that the healthiest emotion that a person can have is an attitude of gratitude. It's healthy for us. It makes us feel better. It makes us physically healthier. It's a stress reliever. It's been scientifically proven that if you're a grateful person, you're going to live a healthier and happier life. You know that major life insurance companies have done research, and one of the things that they discovered is that people who attend church every week live on average 5.7 years longer than people who don't attend church. 5.7 years, that's part of our church attendance incentive program here, folks. (laughs) 5.7 years longer than people who don't attend church. Now, why is it? Well, perhaps one of the reasons it is is because when people come to church, they're reminded about God and how great God is, and how powerful God is, and how interested God is in us, and how much God loves us, and how much God is in control of situations. And, you know, we can just come before the Lord and give Him our worries, and we don't have to carry them ourselves. You know, if we try to carry them ourselves, they, they, they hurt us physically. They can go into our stomachs, they can give us ulcers, they can affect our health. But we come to church, and we're able to release them, and we're able to give them to the Lord. The Bible says, "...a merry heart doeth good, like a medicine. A merry heart, a happy heart, doeth good, like a medicine. A merry heart brings healing, like medicine. That's what the Bible is saying. By the way, the rest of that verse says, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. So if we let our circumstances dictate our attitude, then the disappointments that we receive in life, and we will receive disappointments, they can crush us. But if we take control of our attitude and we fill our hearts with gratitude, then our attitude of gratitude can help us heal from the disappointments of life. Now, I'd like to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17, you're going to find the story of Jesus healing ten lepers. On the way to Jerusalem, he, Jesus, was passing along between Samaria and Galilee, and as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance. Now we know why they stood at a distance. And lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us! And when he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, We're not ten cleansed. Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise, and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. You know, when we're called by Jesus to do something, we need to be obedient to that. Even if we don't understand what it is he's asking us to do or why he's asking us to do it, or even if it's something that we ourselves might not agree with. Jesus said, you love me if you keep my commandments. So these ten lepers, even though it didn't make any sense logically what Jesus had asked them to do, were obedient to what Jesus told them to do. You know, some of the preachers have suggested that uh, only one out of the ten was grateful. But uh, one of the great theologians of our time said, it's not possible for anyone to be healed from leprosy and not be grateful You see, the problem was not that the ten, or the other nine, were ungrateful. They were no doubt very grateful. But the problem was that only
0: one out of the ten returned to give thanks, to bring thanksgiving. A small but very important distinction. Oh, it's one thing to be grateful. But are you thankful for what brought about that gratefulness? We'll learn more as we continue the week here on Study Verse by Verse, our Thanksgiving week edition of the broadcast with Pastor Layton Sheely. And we trust this Thanksgiving provides you with an amazing opportunity to be thankful to God for all that He has given us, in spite of the challenges we may have faced this past year. Reach out to us, won't you? Highlands.us. Let us know why you're thankful for the broadcast. Highlands.us.